All right. Well, welcome everyone to a new episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. Very happy that you are here with us. If you're watching us live in the middle of your workday, uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, if you happen to be live, you can be part of the show. Um, if you're on LinkedIn and you put in a comment, we will see that. If you put in a question, we will see that. We will bring that into the discussion. If you uh, want to share your opinion or perspective on what we're talking about, ask a question of our guest Kathleen Booth today. Um, welcome to be part of that. If you are watching on demand, we can't do that, but we're very glad you're watching, listening. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, thanks very much for checking us out. If you're listening to us on the podcast, thanks so much for downloading, subscribing. Uh, you can find Sales Pipeline Radio where all fine podcasts are available. Uh, and every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, 300 plus episodes over the last few years, available on salespipelineradio.com. Each week, we're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today, very excited to have with us Kathleen Booth. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at Clean.io. She is a active podcaster and a regular member of our Friday morning uh, first sip club with CMO. So Kathleen, thanks for joining us. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, it is, I feel like we, I was just watching the Rose Bowl parade with my kids and now it's it, technically today, it's the 16th. So it is late December. Um, I don't know where this year went by. Um, we're still dealing with Omicron viruses, all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I think we've we've learned a lot this year. We've learned a lot about sort of what marketing might look like post-pandemic. Um, so I thought we'd spend a little bit of time today just talking about what we've seen change this year and where we see all that going. But maybe first, just for people that don't know you, uh, just quick an introduction of, of you. Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Clean.io, which is a digital engagement security company. We make uh, solutions for brands that want to exercise greater control over the third-party code that executes on their website and how that affects their brand, their revenue, and their user experience. Um, I have been an in-house head of marketing for a series of different companies, mostly in the B2B tech world. Uh, for the last several years before that, I owned an agency for about 11 years. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about talking about marketing and I'm really excited to chat with you today. So last year, 2020, it was a lot of pivots, um, you know, in the midst of the beginning of the pandemic. I think a lot of pivots have become kind of new standards. And there's a lot of things that we have kind of just you know sort of fallen into or accelerated into, some of which maybe initially weren't welcome. But quite frankly, a lot of them have actually improved results, improved efficiency. I know for us you know, just even in terms of how we work and where people work and whether they're in the car commuting every day. I mean, there are a lot of things that may not have changed, but have actually changed for the better. What, what are some of the things that you have seen this year that, that, that maybe sort of qualify in that category? That changed for the better? Sure. I mean, change for the better or just, you know, sort of things that you think are, you know, maybe pivots or sort of necessary pivots that are becoming standards. Uh, for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really interesting year. And I would say like year and a half, even two years, you know, you can you could look at the calendar year. But to me, the, the significant chunk of time that I'm reflecting back on is just COVID and what happened mm -hmm. through it. And a couple of things that I've observed. One, obviously, was was just this craving for more human connection. And I think we're still feeling it, even though the world is kind of opening back up again. Um, and in the beginning of COVID, that manifested itself as just this huge move to virtual events. And in the beginning, they were all doing well because every, everybody was desperate to see other human faces, even if they were over Zoom. Now, I think everybody's gotten a little bit more discerning and we're Zoom fatigued. And there's been this kind of boomerang effect where it's getting harder to get people to show up for virtual events. And so 
you know, the question becomes with events in general, how do you create events that people will still really want to attend? Because I do think we crave human connection, but that we're not going to look at skeptically because of our Zoom fatigue, because of our kind of uh, jaded approach to to online events in general. And so this is an interesting challenge for marketers. Um, I do think looking at hybrid events is really important because you need to give people options, but but finding ways to really keep people engaged because to me, what failed with so many virtual events in the last year was, you know, all of these attempts to recreate the booth experience. And I can't tell you how many marketers I've spoken to who've said that they did virtual booths at events and they were just a big fat zero. Uh, It was a waste of their sales team's time. It was a waste of their sponsorship money. Nobody showed up, you know, and so you can't just expect to to try to recreate that in-person experience in the same way virtually. We have to get creative and find ways for people to really interact. And I think some events have done that better than others with different, you know, speed dating opportunities, if you will, where you're paired with people. Um, the jury's still out on what's going to make that successful, but but I think that was a big trend that I noticed. And then, you know, the other thing that I think has really happened uh, that it plays on that theme of wanting personal connection is this explosion of online communities and the participation in them. Uh-huh. It was communities have been around for a long time. This is nothing new to COVID, uh-huh. but they've I think evolved in a very different way in the last two years and and accelerated. Um, and the community that you're involved in, CMO Coffee Talk, I think is a really good example of this because I got involved in it at first through a physical in-person event uh-huh. and then COVID hit and we started meeting over Zoom and it was this incredible beacon for those of us stuck at home who were just tired of only seeing our families. Um, you know, and it was a way, it was a very safe space, I think in this case for marketers to connect with each other. and. And it wasn't just about human interaction. And I think what what you guys tapped into that is becoming so important is creating a place where people feel they can connect with others that they have similarities with, um, but in a way that is very safe. And, And what I mean by that is like, I think the genius of CMO Coffee Talk is it's just heads of marketing. It's not a marketing slack. There are a lot of those, you know, and what happens is when you go into a general marketing slack, you can't rant and complain <laughs> the way that that you might want to with people who are in who are your peers or or and you can't do it in a community where there might be people who are sitting in other roles who either report to you or know someone who reports to you, et cetera. Like it has to be a place where you feel like you can be your true and authentic self. Um And so I think communities have really grown up to solve for that participation in communities that do that well has exploded. And I think we're going to see that more and more going forward because that is not something that is only here to solve for a problem that existed during COVID. So I'll pause there. (laughs) Yeah, I love all that. I mean, I think a couple of things I build on top of that one is, you know, there are things that we have learned um, kind of by necessity in the last year and a half that I think have made some of those things better. Uh, to your point, like, you know, we CMO Coffee Talk began because we were doing in-person breakfasts. You know, we were doing, you know, breakfast with 25, 30 CMOs in various markets around the country. We've been doing them for years. You know, we had a 10-city tour we were doing in the midst of and got shut down, you know, eight cities in at the, in the spring of 2020. And uh, 
you know, that's kind of the first coffee talk was sort of the, hey, let's just do a virtual one to kind of wrap up the series. Um, and, and I would never have the audacity to think that you could get hundreds of CMOs to show up every Friday for a topical discussion. But I think the crucible of the pandemic, and then you're right, like that safe space made it more possible. So I think it, it certainly sort of, it created the opportunity for something that I think has become bigger and better um, than just doing in-person breakfast. Not that we won't go back to that, not that those aren't good ideas, but I think it's created the other thing. The other piece that I think is really important in this idea of community, been thinking about a lot, and you know, as we've grown the CMO community, um, have had a lot of people come and say like, hey, what can we do this for chief HR officers? Can we do it for IT community? And so you start to think, okay, what are the places that make this particularly unique? And the idea of having it just CMOs, I think, is part of it. But I think also the fact that we don't record these sessions, mm -hmm. the fact that you have to be a peer to be in it, the fact that it is um, that, that we create a place and have examples of places in, in the group where people can be more than just the head of marketing and company. They can be a real person. Talk about what's going on in their family. Um, you know, again, the crucible of the pandemic, I think, created something. We had people crying at the end of the week, you know, where all the stuff they're having to go through. Um, and some of that, I think, comes out of my experience in EO, this entrepreneur organization where, you know, you meet once a month in a pretty structured format with 10 other entrepreneurs in a entirely confidential meeting. And you spend as much time talking about personal stuff in there as you do professional, because as an entrepreneur, it's all blends together. Right. And I think for all of us, it really all blends together. So, and, you know, thinking about this going into next year, you know, things are becoming more digital. We've got more intelligence, more data, more digital channels coming at us. And yet I think what we're talking about here is the need for things to become more human, the need for us to be able to find ways to better connect with other people, not just get more, um, you know, like, you know, virtual cocktail tastings or not to sort of figure out how do I get higher conversion rates on an email, but like, how do you recognize and see the whole person and connect with them and help them connect with others in the world professionally and personally? I, I think there's something there that's going to unlock how sales and marketing really succeeds moving forward. Yeah. And it's interesting. So the, the, the way I would, I think about this, it kind of heading into the next year is it has to do with how we define brand, right? Like in the past, I've always thought of brand as the things that people say about you when you're not in the room, right? That's your brand. I've really come to change my thinking on this. And it's the result of talking to different people and observing what's happening in the world and, and doing some reading. And really now how I think about brand is it's more about how the individual thinks about themselves in connection with your mm. brand, with your mm. company, with your product. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, there is so much noise out there right now. There's there marketers have so many tools at their disposal to produce content, to reach out to audiences. Um, you know, we're, we're overwhelmed by it as buyers and, you know, and I come from history of content marketing and, and that used to be novel. And now it's, it's so, uh, foundational to what everyone's doing. There's so much content. It's very saturated. Standing out is really hard. And the brands that do it well are doing, in my opinion, a couple of things. Um, you know, and, and I, when I say, when I think of brands that are doing it well, I think of brands like, like Harley Davidson that has mm -hmm. a passionate following. And I recently, uh, interviewed someone for my podcast who told me the story that, that Harley has is the number two, tattooed thing on people's bodies after like mom. So the, the top brands in the tattoo world are mothers and then Harley Davidson. Right. And then you have like, and I drive a Jeep and, and the Jeep 
drivers have a secret wave that they do to each other when they pass each other on the street, you know, and there's, there's tons of brands. Like I used to be a HubSpot partner and partners in that world used to talk about bleeding orange or drinking the orange Kool-Aid. And like, mm-hmm. that's, that's incredibly cult-like and, and great if it's used, like if the power is used for good, right? So how do you create a feeling like that amongst people? How do you create a following like HubSpot had where people might dye their hair orange before going to the annual conference or buy orange sneakers? Um, how you do that is, is a, it, it has to be done in a few ways. Number one, things like the community, like you're creating, I think are really central to creating passionate brand followings, to having people tie their identity to the brand. Um, you know, having them feel like they're, they're within a community of people that, that reflect the best parts of themselves. Um, and then, and then not just creating content, but but really having a perspective and a point of view and getting uh-huh. people to rally behind that, I think uh-huh. is a big part of it. And so there's a lot of dimensions to it. But for me, that's the big thing heading into next year. As I yeah. think about what I'm going to do in marketing, it's how do I build, how do I build a cult-like following for the brand that I'm promoting? I love that. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I had to write down just the, the fact that, you know, what others think about you as sort of the that I think that's the pivot a lot of people use when they think about brand, but how do you think about yourself? Yeah. And I think that there's potentially a couple of ways to do that, right? One is obviously you want your customers to have a pretty, you know, sort of strong feeling of how how they feel about themselves and how they feel about themselves associated with you. I think also, you know, you got to think about that relative to your employees, right? Like, you know, because your employees are going to be some of your best ambassadors of the business of the brand. How does the brand make them feel? And especially those that are going to be in front of and interact with your customers. How do you make sure that there's community there as well? Um, and I, how, how much, how important is that when we talk about community, you know, you've got, you've got a community of peers, like a CMO group, then you've got a community of customers where it is an interaction between, you know, kind of brand and customers. But I've seen situations where there's still in those environments more hugs than handshakes, where it still very much feels you you have a little bit of that cult, like following you have a little bit of that where it's beyond just a commercial relationship. How do you go about building something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that to me, the value in community, it's it's, it's it can be hard to track and measure, but I look at my own experience and and I look at what I was always taught. And what I was always taught was that when somebody has a problem or a challenge, they go to Google, right? And they and they go there to solve it. They ask a question and Google has the answer. And that's how you get your leads. And so you needed to create content that's SEO optimized, and then you'll get found and you'll get at bats. That's really not true anymore for most people. Um, what's especially in B2B buying, what's true now is I'm in groups like CMO Coffee Talk, like Pavilion. And if I need something as a CMO, if I need new software. I go into those groups and I say, hey, what are you guys using? What do you recommend? And mm-hmm. I develop my short list from my peer set. And mm-hmm. then I go to Google and, I, and I'm and i doing branded searches for the mm-hmm. three names that I got from mm-hmm. that question. And I'm doing that to validate the recommendations somebody's made for me. And so this is a really different, different way of um, buying than it used to be. And it, mm-hmm. and it has implications for marketing that are important. And, and the implication is that if you want to get at bats, you need to be one of the names that is mentioned in that walled garden, in that private group. And so right. while you've mentioned seeing more hugs than handshakes, I agree with that very often. But I think the, the intangible there is that all the people that are hugging, all those CMO coffee talkers, you know, when somebody goes to them and says, for example, what's a great marketing agency if I need 
ABM help, mm. I, I would bet that so many people are saying Heinz Marketing because they love your brand. They love what you're doing. They feel a connection. You're getting at bats because those questions are happening within these peer groups. Well, and that's part of a successful brand, right? I think you, you're not going to have a brand team on one side and a demand team on the other side and say like they're separate because the brand is going to get you in that room more often. It's going to make you part of the consideration set. Um, you know, so so I think that it's absolutely right that you got to combine those together. It seems like we, we've been talking in different circles about all these different efforts a company has: sales and marketing, marketing and product, marketing, sales, customer success, brand and demand. These all have to work in concert together. Right? Like our customers expect it to be seamless. That can be a difficult thing, whether you are a young company or a large old company. Um, but I don't think we have a choice. I think moving forward, you know, despite the fact that we have a much broader, more distributed, more digital world, we have to make it smaller. And the smaller it gets, and the, more, the, the, the affinity of the relationships you have with that smaller group of people with those brands, I think is, is really what those relationships and that humanization is really going to drive behavior and purchases moving forward. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier um, employees. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of this internal stuff. There's employees, there's generally, there's other teams and how teams work together. And I guess this is another thing that I personally am very focused on for the coming year and that I'm seeing as a trend with marketing is that internal marketing is becoming more important than ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as marketers, we've always kind of been trained to focus externally. Um, but we have this in internal constituency that we need to collaborate with mm -hmm. to create a seamless customer journey. But you also mentioned it, like your employees, a happy employee is a happy customer, right? They're mm -hmm. the ones that create the brand experience. You know, Southwest Airlines, great example of that. There's, there's The employees are so part of the brand that people talk about it publicly. And so I think as marketers, we need to like recognize that building culture is a part of our job and communicating internally and creating consensus and educating the team about, you know, these principles of how we go to market and, and why building community is important. All of this is such a key part of our job. Unfortunately, it's not written in a lot of job descriptions. It should be for marketers. Well, I mean, even if you've got, you know, a company where HR sort of is, is driving a lot of operationalizing the culture, the culture is very much part of the brand. The culture is going to drive performance and drive, you know, this integration of departments together against a common goal. And sometimes that common goal isn't just let's hit the number, right? You know, what is the, what's the real purpose of the business? What are you in doing this for? You know, I think companies like um, Salesforce have done a really nice job of that saying, listen, we're obviously selling CRM software, but the more we do this, the more of our time, our equity and our assets and our cash, we're going to be able to get away to give away to do good in the world. Right. And so, you know, that can very much be, you know, a sort of broader purpose for even, you know, very much for profit publicly traded companies. Um, well, we try to keep these other under 20 minutes these days, Kathleen. So um, I think we're going to wrap up here, but thank you so much, Kathleen Booth for joining us today and fun wide reading conversation on a little bit of what we've seen this year, what we're going into next year. Thank you, Martha, Hanson, David, some other folks that are, have been watching us live. Thanks for checking us out. And um, we got one more episode uh, before we wrap up 2021. So we'll see you next week uh, at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Until then, my name is Matt. We'll see you next week on Sales Pipeline Radio. Bye-bye.